0: As a small business owner, how many of you hate dealing with all of the tedious admin and paperwork? Don't worry, you're not alone. You need to set aside that frustration you're feeling because there's a more enlightened way to look at the situation. Let's look at it this way. If you're still managing to deal with your paperwork on your own by using a spreadsheet, then you're going to absolutely crush it when you start getting help from FreshBooks. You see, FreshBooks has created ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software for self-employed people who would rather spend their precious time building their businesses than dealing with mountains of paperwork. One thing I really love about FreshBooks is that you can send clean and professional looking invoices in about 30 seconds and with literally two clicks, you can can set yourself up to receive payments online. We all like doing that. For your free 30 day unrestricted trial, just go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you and then how did you hear about a section. Hey guys, this is my leak. This is
1: the My Taught You podcast. Today is Saturday, March 17th. Um, and I am here to do what will likely be Uh, my last podcast for just a little while, Um, not forever, but definitely I'm going to give myself one month at a minimum, um, two tops. And what I'm thinking about doing in the meantime is um, recording a couple of like short intros to some of my favorite podcasts um, over the past several years. Ones that if you're a new listener, maybe you haven't um, heard, or if you're an old listener, uh, maybe it'll be a good refresher, but I, I was thinking about doing that. So, um, I'm going to ask you to forgive me in advance for some of my, um, heavy breathing. I am at the, what is this stage at the baby can come any day stage of my pregnancy. So I have a full grown human being, um, in my stomach and I'm ready for him to come out, Um, but I'm also, I was like, if this is my child, then this child does not want to be rushed. Uh, My leak does not like to be rushed, so uh, we're just going to let him do his thing. Uh, So this is my maternity leave podcast. I will be back um, because I am already uh, committed to doing a really what I think will be fun interview post baby. Um, I think some of you will like it. So I won't be gone for long. I have been on real maternity leave for about five days now. Um, But I stopped going into the office months ago. Um, Once I got to the point where putting on clothes became a challenge, I just kind of gave up. So during this pregnancy, um, there's another I have a friend that actually goes to my gym and I see her still working out. Um, and she's due one day after me and I look at her stomach and she's the size at at nine or 10 months, however many months it is that I was when I was like four months. And so I have gotten so big during this pregnancy that clothing just got to be crazy. Um, so clothes just stopped fitting. And I was like, you know what? I'm not buying any more maternity clothes. So... I tried and I tried for so long to pull it all together. And then I just reminded myself that I have already paid the cost for the privilege of being able to work from home for as long as I choose. Those years of getting up at 4am and knocking out work and earning people's trust are the reason why I can do this. So I have built a solid enough reputation to be trusted, to get my work done from just about anywhere. Now, my plan for this podcast was to leave with some, leave you with something to chew on while I'm away. I asked for topics and questions on my Instagram and my Facebook fan page, and many wanted to know how I plan to handle the maternity leave. So what I'll do is talk about that first, and then I'll transition to my other topics. I'm going to let you know where the conversation transitions in the notes. Um, if you don't want to hear about all the baby stuff, trust me, I get it. Um, I got my water with lemon this morning. Um, Oh, and before I get started, the greatest gift that you can give me while I'm out on this leave is to rate this podcast on iTunes. Thank you. Um, for those of you that haven't listened to my earlier baby podcast, there are two that I have already done. One is a QA and a about my pregnancy and the other is titled Egg Freezing, Miscarriage, Gender Reveal and My Plans for Motherhood. Many of the questions that I got on my Instagram were answered in those podcasts. Things like how I knew it was the right time for a baby. They're all right there. So... I'm going to tackle some of your Instagram questions first. And I archived that post just because I was like, you know what? I don't want to get any more new questions. So I've taken it down, but I did pull your questions from it. The first question um, that I pulled is how has being alone most of your life impacted you, your business, your relationships, and how do you think it'll impact your parenting Um, If you keep up with my Instagram stories at all, I mentioned that I have essentially lived alone for most of my life. Um, After I left home for college, I lived at home for about a year before moving out. And I've pretty much lived on my own ever since with the exception of a roommate for about a year and living with a guy for a little over a year about nine years ago. So I've been out of the house, if you will, for about 20 years now. Um, And my significant other and I currently live together. But to answer the question, Living alone most of my life has taught me to enjoy my own company. Um, I have spent many a night reading with a glass of wine or working or just doing whatever my heart desired. I had a few stints of loneliness, but I think that's to be expected when you're always by yourself. From a professional standpoint, I spend a lot of time on the road alone and it doesn't bother me at all. I would say that I fly by myself about 80% of the time, probably more, and have no problem getting in and out of town by myself. Being alone has taught me to trust my opinions when it comes to business. So um, a lot of times I have to make decisions right on the spot and being by myself and not having someone to turn to and go, well, what do you think? Or which way should we go? Or, you know, always having someone to balance out my thoughts. I've gotten to a point where I really trust myself um, and my decision making, you know, in terms of like, let's just say pricing or timing or even how I may feel about um, partnering with another, you know, brand or even employee or contractor. Um, I'm really good at. Trusting how I feel, even if nobody else gets it. Um, as a parent, I am being stretched in a way of understanding that I don't have to do this alone, and that is pretty cool. Um, I also have to remember that I have to share the decisions as it relates to childcare, school activities, etc. Um, I actually am going to appreciate not having to make all of the decisions as it relates to parenting. When I tell y'all that this breathing thing is tough, um, I'm on page two of my notes and I got 16. So just continue to work with me. I'm gonna sip my water. I'm probably gonna go a little bit slower because I am breathing. um, But just wanted to let you know that I can't even believe I'm doing this. Like I'm doing a podcast and I could, and I have been having contractions, but I just wanted to get this done. Okay. Someone asked, how have you been treated by doctors as a pregnant black woman? And what was your process in preparing for your new baby? Um, I've been seeing a lot of articles and how African-American women are ignored about their pain when pregnant. So I'm just curious if you've experienced this. Um, So. I was at one practice that was actually owned by a black woman to begin with. And I have to say that it just wasn't my cup of tea, very disorganized, didn't really explain things in depth. Like I I remember going in for um, I think it was appointment number two after my pregnancy was confirmed And I had taken all of these tests because I had literally just miscarried one month before. So when I had confirmed a pregnancy like 30 days later, they wanted to do a bunch of tests to see what may have caused um, the miscarriage and because of my age. So they ran all these tests. And I remember like it wasn't the doctor who owned the practice, but one of the associates or nurses came in there. And so she just like, runs down this list of things. It's like, you have this, you don't have this, you don't have that. So I'm going to refer you out to somebody and we'll give you a call a little bit later today for your referral. And I remember being like, what? Like, um, so what is, you know, she mentioned a slight protein S deficiency, but she said it so fast. And it's like, I'm not in your field. I don't know what you're talking about. What does that mean? You know, nothing. So Then they referred me out to a perinatologist since I have that slight protein S deficiency. And when I went to that office, it was literally night and day. Now, keep in mind that I had to call them for a full week to ask for my referral because I was so freaked out about this whole deficiency thing that I'm like, I need to get to a specialist right away. And you said you were going to refer me and I haven't gotten a referral. So I started calling on my own. Um, but I eventually got into his office and when I went to his office and just experienced that level of like sophistication and care, I decided to leave that OBGYN practice and go with this practice that would have included or has included working with a perinatologist and, um, the other practice of having, um, a midwife. So, throughout this pregnancy and I'm looking up perinatologist so I can tell you what it is for those of you that don't know um a perinatologist is a maternal fetal medicine branch that focuses on managing health concerns of the mother and fetus prior to during and shortly after pregnancy um and typically specialists or um if you have like pregnancy complications. So that is my that is what I found online as I was doing this. So for those of you that don't know, Um so I go over there and I typically juggle between two appointments. I had a lot of a lot of doctor's appointments um during this pregnancy because I was under the special care of the perinatologist up until 20 weeks. Um And then after 20 weeks, and everything checked out, baby was like, I don't know. I don't want to call him perfect, but they do these scores and he's been getting 10 out of 10. So let's just hope that he stays that way. So after that, um, I was able to kind of decrease the care a little bit through a bit of the pregnancy until I had the fibroid degeneration. Um, and then I had to see them again. And then I just have been going back more. I think for the last, um, several weeks of the pregnancy, I had to go back to the specialist, but for the middle part, I only saw a midwife. Um, so, you know, since I've been under considerably close watch during this pregnancy, um, that makes me feel good about it. Unlike most, I had a lot of ultrasounds um, and in-depth checks in the beginning um, and the same. It's been the same way at the end. So I have felt thoroughly checked for the most part. And I've developed a good relationship with my physician's assistant. I um, Actually, she's been going natural. So I have been sending her products. Um, we're on email and she's just been great. Um, I had one small run-in with a white midwife who suggested that I drink more water um, when the real reason for my pain was the fibroid degeneration and I felt that was a time where I didn't necessarily feel hurt because I felt like she could have done a little bit of work and checked my chart versus just being like oh you feel pain or crampy you know and I was really worried that I, about um preterm labor. And she was like, you just need to drink more water. And when I tell you that I had drank so much water, I'm like, this is not a water thing. So I went to that appointment. I leave and the next day I'm still in pain and I call and there happens to be um, a black midwife on call. And I think that's just the the beauty of living in Atlanta is that it's rare that you can go to certain practices and there not be women of color or you can choose to go to practices ran by men or women of color so this particular midwife that picked up um was a woman of color and she happened to be pregnant so she felt me and she was just like okay this is what I want you to do want you to take an Epsom salt bath I want you to I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be on call until eight o'clock in the morning you call me I don't care what time it is 2 a.m 3 a.m this is my job Um, and if it continues I'll have you come in to the I'll have you come into the hospital but worst case I'll make an appointment for you first thing in the morning and then she made the appointment I went in and that's when they realized it was the degeneration and I got a prescription And I felt much better after that. Um, So for the most part, it's been good. Um, I have my fingers crossed that it remains that way. Uh, So that has been sort of like my experience. And I think you asked me, um, how did I prepare? And I didn't really prepare. (laughs) So I I have no preparation stories uh, besides just, you know, being a healthy, available um, vessel. So the next question is, someone said, delegating duties to your team while on maternity leave. How do you do it and how much time in advance did you prepare your team? So I personally tried to tie up the majority of my duties through July to be safe. So I have like, in addition to managing a team, there are things that are exclusively my job. So I tried to do my job through July. Um, There are still some things that I'm going to have to work on. So I plan on going back to work full time late May. I want to believe that I prepared everybody with lists and calendars that I put together, but there's only going to be one way to find out. Um, So I will probably have a bit of a sort of maternity leave meaning I'll be able to stay home with the baby but I don't think there will be very many days that will go by that I won't be that I won't have to check email so my plan is to try to get at least one hour of work in a day just checking emails I'm um, responding to things that I need to um, I actually have hired someone who starts on Monday um as just like a, a a special assistant ninja to just hold me down and i feel confident about that so um, we shall see what happens. Uh, but that's the thing when I tell people about entrepreneurship and owning your own business is that, yes, I do have all this like great flexibility, but unlike other people who go out on maternity leave and there's somebody there who knows their job, who can just come in and step in for them and you can be completely checked out. Um, I don't have that privilege just quite yet. So, <sighs> Next question. How did you know your partner was the one and how did you balance putting yourself out there on Tinder versus chilling and letting things happen? So for those of you that don't know, I met my boo on Tinder. Um, And if you don't know my Tinder experience, I talk about it in a podcast that is on my page. I mean, that's on my iTunes. It's um, an interview with James Andrews so it's kind of an annoying interview I listened to it recently and sometimes listening to myself be interviewed by other people especially by other people I know um I just I don't know I think I get excited and um I was like oh my god who is talking but I told him about how a mutual friend of ours kind of got me to do tinder I tell the whole story so if you care to find out how I talked myself into getting on tinder um listen to that interview with James Andrews while I'm out on leave. Um, So how did I know this, you know, how, how did I go about doing that? So I can pretty much go on record and tell you that there are very few things that are going to happen in your life by just chilling and letting it happen, okay? Like, write that down. Once I had been successful for a few years, a friend talked me into getting proactive about my dating life. And I had kind of around 35, 34, 35. I was like, all right, you've focused on your professional life for so long. It's time to add some balance. So at around 35, I guess, 34, 35, I started dating with intention, which I've talked about on past podcasts. If you haven't heard those Search for my Valentine's Day podcasts on iTunes. So any of, if you care about my thoughts on love for the past couple of years, I've done some Valentine's Day podcasts. So go ahead and check those out. But um, as far as the quote unquote one, I don't know that I believe in the one. Um, there are many ones out there. Um, on the first date, so on with my current um, significant other, you know, partner, whatever you want to call them. On the first date, I didn't think it was going to work when I spied him across the room. You know, <laughs> I even thought about leaving because I just didn't see it. Um he spotted me from across the room before I could make up my mind to leave or not. You know, because it's like I'm doing this whole tender thing, but like you have courage until you don't have courage. So it's like I got dressed, I Ubered over there. I sat down and then you sit down like, what the hell am I doing? What am I doing? I should just go. So he caught me before I left and we ended up having, um, drinks and I did find the conversation very interesting. We ended up talking to the point of, um, ordering dinner, you know, so we had a couple drinks and it was so crazy. I, um, I accidentally, knocked my drink over on him and i remember the lady sitting next to me at the bar and was like oh my god are you guys on a date and i just looked at her like is anybody talking to you and she was like well i don't know if you're on a date or not but um i spilled a whole glass of red wine on my husband on our first date and we've been together for like 15 years and i was just like girl (laughs) be quiet like this ain't gonna be that so be quiet so anyway did spill my drink on him. He did. He wasn't phased or bothered at all. Um, We ended up having dinner. Um, Like I said, I found him to be very interesting. But again, being interesting doesn't necessarily equal a love connection. So at the end of the date, he asked if he could open his museum for me and give me a private tour and I thought that was very nice and even romantic if I actually thought this was going to be anything I was like wow what a nice guy and what a romantic guy for like whatever girl he actually ends up being with like this is very sweet I went it was very nice and I really was just like um I remember I think he was going out of town he was leaving out of town that night after the date and I remember just thinking like Um, Oh, well, this this was really nice. It was a great dating exercise. Um, Didn't think I would see or hear from him again, because I also thought that I wasn't his cup of tea either. So maybe a couple days later, I went out on a second date with him, maybe four or five days. I don't know. Um, And I went out on a second date because I told myself, like, if you're going to be dating with intention, I was like, you should only say no when you absolutely have a reason to say no. Right. He hadn't done anything. I just was like, "Eh, I don't know. And at this point, I really didn't have a reason to say no. So he was nice. I enjoyed talking with him. And he was, again, very interesting. So. I was running late to the second date and when I got there I saw him across the room and sort of just like waved and kind of like motioned that I was going to grab a drink at the bar and be right over. So I order my drink as if I'm you know and as I'm surfing through my purse I have my work bag because I'm coming from work on this day looking for my wallet and then trying to find my credit card. The bartender's getting I order had already ordered my drink and as I finally surf and find it the bartender hands me my drink and says oh the gentleman asked me to take care of you when you got here. I was like, oh, did he, you know? And as someone who, like I said, has been alone for a lot of their life and who runs a business, very few people look out for me in that way. Like I am the person that typically is handling and taking care of everyone else. And so for the first time in a long time, that teeny tiny gesture had me be like, Excuse me. Okay. I'm going to put a little gold star next to your name. So, throughout the first month of us dating, he had never seen my car because I Ubered to all of the dates. Um, I knew we would probably be drinking. So, I was like, I'm just going to Uber. Uh, he had never been to my house. He had never been to my office or seen, you know, really. He knew that I worked and had a job, but he didn't really know exactly what I did. Um, He had no idea of the magnitude, so that made dating him very fun as well. The third date, he offered to have me over for dinner. The morning of the dinner, he texted to find out what my favorite flower was so that he could have it for me when I got to his place for dinner tonight. Gold star. Um, (laughs) I got to know him better that evening. Uh, The conversation at this point just got a little bit deeper, and I would say that it was on the third date. That I turned the corner on, this isn't going anywhere, to this could go somewhere. Um, after that, we had to tell more dates. And he was the first person that I've ever dated that I, um, this may sound crazy, but he's the first person that I felt like I belonged to. Um, like we were a unit, a family. Um, I didn't even really feel that within my own family. Um, he celebrated my wins, something I wasn't used to. Um, i do something that... I imagine could be considered a big deal but let's face it I've been doing so much for so long that it all sort of seems the same so if I'd go out of town to receive an award I get home and I have another award of like flowers and champagne and a car that said congratulations and I'm like more gold stars for you sir. Um, so while I'm not a fan of the quote unquote one, I definitely find us to be insanely compatible. Um, and that's what really mattered to me. Compatibility. Next question is how do you envision balancing being a new mom, a new mommy and maintaining your success as a business owner? Is it awful that I don't like the word mommy? Like, I don't even know why, It bothers me so much to the point that I almost didn't even read it because I'm just like, um, I think it sounds so, I don't know, young. Um, I've never referred to my mother as my mommy, only my mom. So anywho, that doesn't matter. But just that's just a weird thing I've got going on. Um, As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I've done the work to set my life up to be conducive to whatever sort of schedule that I need I also have worked to have the resources to help me continue to work. There will be some sort of childcare in place. I already have several things I'm committed to this summer that include travel. So dad will likely join us um, as often as he can. And when he can't, I'll have to figure it out. Um, I work and I will continue to work and there will just be a kid in the mix. So I'm gonna continue to hustle and be on my grind. And what's crazy is that when I got pregnant, before like I have sort of avoided this whole child thing because I'm like oh my god a kid's gonna slow me down I can't be successful with a kid and now I feel like oh my god I got this I got this this cub this baby cub on my back that I have to feed first and that I have to set an example for and I just feel so fired up and inspired to like show him what um, a woman and not just a woman, but a woman of color can do. And to let you, you know, he's going to grow up much different than I did. And to take him back and show him where I came from and show him, like, look at how mom has set you up in this life, boy. Look how mom's like, I want you to make me proud. Um, and I want, and I hope to also make you proud. So that's kind of my, my little spin on that. So next question. Um, thirsty. What are your plans for childcare once you're back to work? What do you think is most important in early childcare, both for you and baby? Um, I've enjoyed watching your journey thus far. Thank you. You know, I haven't fully sorted out my childcare plans. Um, I'm going to play it by ear and see how I feel. Um, my offices are within a few miles from my house and I own the company, so it's not like I can't take him in if I need to. Um, early child care for me is about bonding and spending as much time as I can with him. And when it's time to get back to work, we'll decide if we want to go the early learning center route, which I've been looking into. Like they have these schools for kids, which is awesome. Um, or nanny or a little bit of both for now. He'll be under my care until we figure it out and figure out a plan that I think will work best for us. Um, Next question. How have your financial goals shifted since becoming pregnant, specifically with your family. I'm assuming in some capacity you have had to lend a hand to family members since you said you had humble beginnings. I think this is a good one to discuss even prior to baby. Many black women are the first in their families, and I don't think we discuss financial boundaries and guilt enough. Um, It's an interesting assumption that we have to lend a hand to family members, and I can't remember... Um, where I read this, but there was this article that said that by far um, black families, Latino families, the kids are expected to take care of the parents, you know, and I just, what's so crazy about that versus like white families where um, the expectation is that the parents continue to help the kids throughout their life, you know, so pay for weddings, buy home, help them buy homes, pay for college where, if in in our community we succeed we're expected to take care of our parents forever and when I started to think about that I was like so for us our parents help us until we're 18 and then we're tasked with helping them for the rest of their lives which is far more than 18 years so um I don't really have to do anything and nobody really has to do anything and I know a lot of us do it um but the worst thing that you can do is to become an ATM for your family um, I have given my mom a check since I started this and that is by choice. She didn't ask me. I just something that I wanted to do and I still do, um, ask for others. I would say not so much. I think people have become so clear on my financial boundary boundaries that they don't even bother to ask, um, My financial goals haven't shifted at all. I still save like I used to. I find myself buying more for the baby and less for myself, but I think that's just a normal fluctuation that changes once, you know, you get the baby up and running, so to speak. So, um, I have always been an aggressive saver. I continue to save aggressively. Um, and now instead of treating myself to, you know, something crazy, I just buy stuff for the baby because- one it's fun and two I can <laughs> um, next question was plans for baby's future thoughts or input on college fund options 529 or maybe a savings account if they would like to pursue another path or trade Um, I've already mentioned this but I have already saved my kids college tuition or life fund if you will Um, should he decide to do something else so I told you I was an aggressive saver and one thing that I'm sort of proud of myself for is that um, regardless of what happens to me professionally even though I think I'll still be grinding and and doing my thing I have money to sort of assist him in his life in the future so I have already put that away um, unknowingly like I didn't know what I was going to do I thought I was going to use that money to retire but now I have decided that it is for him so I may open a 529 just because, um, for those of you that don't know what a 529 is 529 plans are, and I just got this off the internet, versatile savings accounts that offer federal and sometimes state tax benefits while minimizing the impact on financial aid. So they are operated by a state or educational institution and designed to help families set aside funds for future college. And you can even pay for, um, private school, uh, I think up to $10,000. So K through 12 educational costs. So, um, I've talked about that with my wealth manager, just don't know. So next question, I remember you posting an Insta story about toxic family members. How do you handle this issue? And is, was it hard for you to set those boundaries and, or remove them from your life temporarily or permanently? Um, Family stuff will forever be the hardest thing to do. You know, it's insanely hard to set boundaries. Having a child, however, has made it a bit easier for me to implement these boundaries. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like for all the time that I probably have allowed myself to be run over. There's something about having this kid that's like, you know, what, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for him. And that has helped me sort of enforce my boundaries like this ain't even about me this is about someone else that doesn't deserve this that I should be strong and bold enough to stand up for and if I even though I have not been able to do it for myself I owe it to this kid to do it for him you know so family stuff um is just tough um I'm not a huge fan of divulging family stuff here um, because regardless of whatever I feel about whoever, I still respect their privacy. So if you ever meet me in person, I have no problem talking about it. I just don't divulge a ton of family stuff on this platform. Um, next question. I have never had a baby. However, I get a lot of questions about self-confidence and have heard a lot of women talk about the changes they experience. Would you mind discussing body image, self-esteem as it relates to pregnancy? So. I decided very early in this pregnancy that I was not going to get hooked into beating myself up. Um, I'm growing a human being and I recognize that things are going to change. I really liked my body before I did. Um, (laughs) I did and I liked it for a long time, but I was like, you know what? Once I have this baby, like, girl, you milked, you had your bikini run, you did your thing. Um, Things are going to change. I have gained a good amount of weight. I think I've gained 55 pounds. I'm starting to get the dark mask, which is like the dark patches on my face, my skin, my back. I had um my boo take a picture of my back. I was like, ew, that is so disgusting. <laughs> so I'm getting jacked up a little bit. Um, I've noticed that I've got some stretch marks making their way to my stomach, um, which makes perfect sense because this baby is humongous. Um, but I feel fine about it all. Um, it'd be a complete waste of my time to try to stop any of this. But I did say to myself that if I feel some kind of way about the way I look once this is all over, that I will also be okay fixing it. (laughs) So since I have the means to get a little nip and tuck, um, if I feel like I want to do a little this and that. I will. So that has kind of been my approach to it all. It is difficult. Um, but I think that we just, it's difficult to try to focus on yourself, try to focus on your body, try to focus on your kid, try to focus on your business, try to focus on your relationship. And so I just gave up on that part and was like, you know, I worked out when I could. Um, I oiled my skin, I exfoliated my stomach. Um, but I don't think you can stop a stomach from stretching like this baby that I'm having I think he's already measuring nine pounds and next week if I make it nine and a half like and I know that that's just an estimate but I mean how can you have something that big in your stomach and it not stretch so that's that next question is will you still be active on social media about your mom life and I'm not sure yet Um, it's hard to say I'd like to share some things but I've learned that people get wild with the boundaries online wild so I'm worried about people referring to my child as our baby because no um, I don't like strangers saying they're his auntie because I don't know I don't like that Um, I have learned that babies excite the hell out of people I get it. I've also learned that mom shaming is real and everybody is an expert when it comes to raising kids. I just know how protective I am and I don't know how good it will be for me to share but we shall see. I'm not saying no because you never know. I may be I may feel so compelled that I just can't help it. Um. So my next question is What are some tangible and intangible things that you are looking forward to in the next chapter with being a mom? In your 20s, what did you value most? In your 30s, what do you value now? Um, I'm looking forward to having something else to focus on that isn't exactly quantifiable. I know that the more effort I put into my business, the bigger the check can be at the end. That's not exactly the case with a human being. I can give my all and the outcome is well the outcome. There's something very scary yet intriguing about that to me. There are no real rules to this. I will just have to see how I do when it's all said and done. I'm looking forward to learning how to share. Parenting is a shared responsibility and I'm basically used to calling all of the shots. So this is going to be good for me because I need some balance. Um, The other night I was lying in bed and my eyes just started to burn and tears started flowing. It's so interesting that this is actually happening to me. Um, I really had convinced myself that you can only have a few amazing things happen in your life. So since I had become professionally and financially successful, I had pretty much given up on the other stuff because you can't have it all, right? Um, And then I met my guy and our relationship was so good and I used to tear up about that because how did I find someone that I like so much and it's just so good? And then you add the baby, and I'm just like, how did this happen? How did I manage to become successful, find someone I like, and then produce a human when doctors told me I wouldn't be able to? Heavy stuff. Um, If nothing more happens in this life, I can definitely say I've been blessed. Um, I'm most excited about being a part of a healthy and loving family. I'm excited to raise my son in a loving and stable home what's crazy? This is not even in my notes, but I just want to bring it up. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was at therapy and my therapist was like, have you gotten comfortable with saying my son? And you know what? I told her that I hadn't. And this might've been the first time with you guys that I've actually said it. And I don't really know what that was about, you know, and that's the beauty of going to therapy because you're just like, when she asked me that, I was like, you know, I haven't said that. Um, but I guess I'm getting there. So I'm excited to raise my son in a loving and stable home. I'm looking forward to all of the amazing memories that we will that we will create as a family. Um, As for what I valued in my twenties, my twenties were about putting in work. You know, I was unstoppable. I don't even think I work as hard today as I did then. Like I was a maniac, Um, I was all about making sure that I made a name for myself by any means necessary, whatever it took. My 20s bled into my 30s and at around 35, like I told you guys earlier, I understood that success... Didn't really have as much meaning without anyone to share it with. I know it sounds so cliche, but it is very true. My mid to late thirties have been about balancing my life out a little bit more. I still work my butt off, but I have made the time to have and maintain a meaningful relationship. Um, I call my significant other at least three days a week while he's at work just to say hello and see how he's doing, which to you might not seem like a lot, but that is something I would never do in the past. I would never break my workday, stop for five minutes to just call someone and be like, how are you doing? Because busy. Um, I have become more human because of him, more caring, more considerate, more thoughtful, and you can't really ask for more than that. So my 30s have just become about balancing my life out. Some because you can't just be little miss go go all the time. Um, another one question was Do you think you'll take a longer or shorter maternity leave than standard? So I haven't ever I haven't ever really had a formal job, so I'm not sure what's standard, but based on what I've seen and read, I'll probably be out a little bit longer, but my out doesn't mean no work at all. Like I told you guys, I've been working about an hour or two each day, sometimes longer, and probably will continue to do that over just a longer period. So while I may not be physically present, I will still be working um, since I don't have the luxury of checking out completely. So my plan when I started this podcast was to let you know when we got to the end of those questions and we are at the end of those questions but what I didn't realize is that I have about nine more pages of notes to go and I'm going to switch into the other questions Um, and what I now know is that as a baby can come any day now pregnant person that I cannot talk for another 40 minutes uh, to an hour so I am going to stop and make this part one of my maternity leave podcast so this is part one um and all of the next questions will not be baby related so lucky for you um so I'm going to take a break drink some water um use the bathroom you know basic pregnancy stuff and come back and I'm gonna have both of these up for you guys thank you for listening